Absolutely. Well, in, in the US, it's currently ranked as the sixth leading cause of death. But they're actually saying that that's prob- probably not right. That's more like about the third because, you know, when somebody dies of pneumonia or something like that, we don't say it was dementia, but often it's the dementia that has led to that. And in Australia, this, this blew me away. In Australia, they were saying in 2017, the leading cause of death in women in Australia was Alzheimer dementia. Just get your head around that. That's incredible. You know, cardiovascular disease is still our number one killer, but dementia is slowly getting up there. This is the Diabetes Freedom Podcast, proudly brought to you by purenutrients.com, the type 2 diabetes specialists. Here we discuss the latest science to treat, prevent, and reverse type 2 diabetes naturally so you can reclaim your health for a long, healthy and happy life. Welcome back to Diabetes Freedom. Pat Ridley and Suzanne Ridley here with episode 9. And on this episode, we'll be discussing the links between type 2 diabetes and dementia. I think, Suzanne, a lot of people don't realise that there that there is a link between these. So this will be a very interesting topic. How, how are you today? I'm re- really good, and I think you're right. I think this is a very interesting topic and not one that's spoken of much. So dementia or Alzheimer's, which we'll probably be speaking a lot about today, is coined type 3 diabetes. Is that right? It certainly is in some circles. You don't hear about it in mainstream medicine. But certainly in research areas and, and that, you know, they are speaking about type 3 diabetes. And the reason that they're doing that is because the origins of both type 2 diabetes and dementia, primarily Alzheimer's, it lies in the same origin. And that's why it's so fascinating. Because I think most people think of dementia And we're going to talk about Alzheimer's because it's really the major form of dementia and the one that we're talking about. And when they think of it, they think it's something that we don't have any control over. And I have to think, I have to say that I felt like that earlier on until I went exploring and discovered all the amazing information out of there. You you tend to think, oh, well, mum had Alzheimer's or auntie Flo had Alzheimer's. And so I, I guess I might get it. But the truth is that we actually have control over that. And that's pretty exciting. Yeah, well, it's going to be a pretty big fear for people who are the elderly community because I guess there'll be a lot of people around them that would be showing signs of dementia and then they can see like how it impacts impacts them. So it would be a pretty scary thing to to think about. So as a, as a pharmacist, you would likely have a lot of your clients uh, that would be experiencing Alzheimer's? Oh, yes, for, for sure. You know, like I've, I've dealt with the same clients over a period of about 10 years. And as they age, you, see, you get to see the ones whose mental capabilities are markedly decreased. And I do see it in my type 2 diabetic patients. And I have some that have developed into full-on dementia. And that's such a sad thing to see because it robs the person of their own personality, of their, their ability to function in life. And, and now that we look at, you know, the origins of it, 
and we think, well, this is something that we can change, that we can have control over. Well, it'll be exciting to talk about that. But just before we do, can you just explain briefly like, what actually is Alzheimer's or dementia? Like, what is it? Alzheimer's is the process where memory and the way you think is just destroyed, really. You lose all your skills. You, it usually starts with finding it hard to retrieve memories or find words, of having a difficulty with spatial awareness. Then um, like there's impaired reasoning. You just can't make the right judgments. And then it progresses into having trouble in doing just your everyday things. Like you can't cook for yourself. You can't drive yourself anywhere. Paying bills has becomes a big issue. And this just gets worse and worse. And people will get go through periods of, of being very worried about it. Then they get very anxious. Anxiety is a very common feature of it. And a lot of them will even become quite violent. So Alzheimer's is this, the main features that that are considered in Alzheimer's is the presence of abnormal clumps. And these are called, these are amyloid plaques. And also the presence of tangled fibres. So when they've done autopsies on patients that have suffered with Alzheimer's, this is what they've found. How do you get Alzheimer's? What's actually going on? So what we found is that in Alzheimer's, there is an increase in inflammation and oxidation and what we call glycation, where the glucose molecules are attaching to proteins. And it's these processes are what destroys our brain neurons. They're the nerve cells. So we have to look at why do we get inflammation and oxidation and glycation in the brain? And it comes back to the way we live. It comes back to our diet. And our diet is producing these inflammatory processes. It's reducing our ability to, to stop oxidation. And because we tend to have a very high carbohydrate diet in our societies, there's a lot of glucose in the brain and it's glycating those proteins, attaching itself to the proteins, affecting the shape of them so they can't perform their normal duties. So it comes back to diet. And, if, and everything I've just spoken to you about is exactly what's occurring in type 2 diabetes. So type 2 diabetes doesn't cause Alzheimer's, but the origins of the two are the same, and hence it's coining of type 3 diabetes. So we know for a fact type 2 diabetes is prolific. It's everywhere, and it's on the move. The stats around how many type 2 diabetics there are is increasing, like every year. So what are we seeing with dementia and Alzheimer's? The, this is really quite scary when you look at the figures. The Alzheimer's Association of of, uh, of the US has called it a crisis. So what we've seen is that between 2007 and 2017, we've been able to decrease cardiovascular deaths. But in that same period, Alzheimer's-related deaths has increased by 145%. That's a lot. And it's still on the increase. So in 2019 in the US, it was estimated there were about 5.8 million people who were affected with Alzheimer's disease. And the cost to the country is something like $290 billion. And the estimates, unless we do something about it and look at the origins and try to reverse what's happening, the estimates for 2050 are a staggering 
14 million people will be suffering with it at a cost of $1.1 trillion. Now, you know, that can't be sustainable. And the thing is that we have no drugs to effectively treat it. The drugs that we do have, they only, at the very least, the very best, I should say, they, they just slow it down a bit. And so what is it like here in Australia? So those, were those stats, those stats were US-based? They are. The Australian stats aren't, aren't any better, nor are our type 2 diabetes stats. We're, we're slowly creeping up with the US. But in Australia, the estimate in 2019 is 450,000 individuals suffering with dementia. The cost to our economy, $15 billion. Think what you could do with that kind of money. Yeah, that's heaps. And because there, there is quite a huge difference between the population of the US and Australia. Oh, of course. That's absolutely right. There's a huge difference. So, you know, like we're not exactly doing any better. No, that's it. And the thing is too, and this is, I think, something to really consider, that it's the, the carers of these people. In 2019, Australia, it was estimated there were 1.5 million people who were involved in the care of dementia patients. This brings an emotional, a physical and a financial toll. You know, you can't often work because you're caring for these people. You know, it's quite, it can be very depressing. And also, if you think, if that's a close relative, you think, is this the path I'm going down as years go by, you know? I remember you mentioning to me that dementia was one of the biggest killers, which was quite surprising. Can you talk about, can you talk about that? Absolutely. Well, in, in the US, it's currently ranked as the sixth leading cause of death. But they're actually saying that that's prob probably not right, that it's more like about the third because, you know, when somebody dies of pneumonia or something like that, we don't say it was dementia, but often it's the dementia that has led to that. And in Australia, this, this blew me away. In Australia, they were saying in 2017, the leading cause of death in women in Australia was Alzheimer's dementia. Just get your head around that. That's incredible. You know, cardiovascular disease is still our number one killer, but dementia is slowly getting up there. That's amazing, really. Like how that, like, that was women over 65. I'm trying to understand. So you're saying that the dementia led to, say, pneumonia, for example, because yeah. I was trying to understand how could dementia actually be the result of someone's death? Because the way I understand is that it affects their brain, the way they can retrieve and store memories and all sorts of stuff. So how does that actually lead to death? I don't, I'm not getting that. Well, you know, if you consider that, that the nerve cells in the brain, they're transmitting messages to other parts of the brain. And so when they break down, you're not getting the right kind of messages coming to muscles and organs, etc. So people with dementia, as it progresses, they will find it hard to chew their food. They, um, a lot of them actually die from aspiration into the lungs. So when they chew their food, they, don't, they can't digest it correctly and they aspirate it and it goes into the lungs and this causes pneumonia. That's a very common cause. Uh, cardiovascular disease is another. When you consider that they're both, both involved with inflammation, that's not really surprising. And because people become inactive 
uh, and they're sitting around or lying around in bed a lot, they get tend to get blood clots because they haven't got good muscle tone. They are losing weight generally as it goes on goes along, and therefore they're more prone to falls. They have it often. They'll, they'll get a, a very sharp decrease in their appetite. They don't recognise that they're thirsty, though, so they're often, often suffering dehydration. So all this leads to premature death. Wow, it really sounds like a really decrease in quality of life. You know, oh, the, totally. totally. To, have, you know, to have like a physical um, condition, which you know, obviously is really, really bad, but when you're talking about you know, your mind, when your mind goes, like, gee, it's really debilitating and they must just feel so confused and Absolutely. just not knowing what's going on. It must be awful. And and I guess that's why it, you know, it, it, it impacts all who are around that person because, you know, you love that person and you see them going through it. That's terrible. And then you will start to think, wow, you know, is this my my path? Exactly. Yeah. I saw this with my own mother. She went from a a vibrant, you know, she was a very clever lady. She could add up sums, math sums like so quick. And I saw her slowly go downhill, starting to find it hard to remember things, the frustration that she experienced. And then eventually she had to go into a nursing home. She was also blind, which was horrible for her. She became a woman who spent her days wondering where her father was. You know, it's a very sad thing for families to experience. So it was actually a release for her when she died. You know, you just couldn't wish that upon anybody. So with the the new information around the, the origins of dementia, Alzheimer's and type 2 diabetes, Again, coming back to our diet and our lifestyle, because it's very similar to type 2 diabetes in its origin, I would imagine that the solution would be fairly much the same. Can we explore that? Like what type of foods and, and such? Yeah, exactly. So let's pinpoint what's causing the issues. What's causing this glycation, oxidation, inflammation in the brain? And it is exactly what you said. It's the same type of processes that's going on that develops type 2 diabetes. And this is high blood insulin levels. And that comes about because we just consume far too many carbohydrates. You know, there was a study done in 2012, and it's published in the Journal of Alzheimer's, and it showed that elderly people who filled their plates with carbohydrates, I shouldn't say elderly, more older people who fill their plates with carbohydrates are four times more at risk of developing cognitive impairment, which is your prelude of going into dementia. You know, so we're consuming far too many carbohydrates and, of course, highly processed sugar-laden foods is all amongst that. And we are decreasing our consumption of healthy fats. You know, that's a really important one. And then there's another one that I'd like to bring up, and this has been brought forward by Dr. Pearl Mutter, who's an incredible man. He's a neurologist but also heavily um, involved in nutritional science. He talks about the action of, of gluten. And as you know, gluten is present in, in grains 
and it's a re fairly recent addition to our diet, and he sees it as a neurotoxin. So that's another thing to consider. We're consuming far too many grains. It's amazing when you look at it because the solution is quite simple. Starting to eat foods that don't spike your glucose in the blood and therefore don't keep calling upon insulin to be secreted into the blood and to introduce healthy fats into our diet, to understand fats. What is a healthy fat? Which are the fats we should avoid and kind of limit our grains? Well, with the, the healthy fat topic, I think we will leave that for another episode because it's a pretty big topic. But I guess what I'm hearing is adopt that whole food diet like we've been suggesting from the beginning with type 2 diabetes, being aware of how much sugar you're consuming and you know, obviously the refined carbohydrates, you want to minimize those. But you know, if it's if it's largely inflammation, then I would imagine the anti-inflammatory types of foods would work wonders. What sort of things can people like? If someone's going to the supermarket, what are the what are some of the things that are readily available? Yeah, well, I think you know, eating foods like um, avocados, some nuts, some seeds, incorporating oils into your diet, coconut oil, olive oil, uh, getting rid of margarine throw that in the bin and use butter instead um having a great array of green leafy vegetables they're just so full of full of important nutrients you know things like spinach brussels sprouts your broccoli your artichokes your asparagus your cauliflower all those beautiful foods and then looking at the the other types of foods getting an array of color so we're looking at you know, things like your aubergines or eggplant, as they're called in Australia, you know, courgettes or we call them zucchinis, and your capsicum, your tomatoes, all of these foods that have high levels of flavonoids which are naturally anti-inflammatory. Then using berries. We should limit our fruit somewhat because it is high in fructose and glucose, but when we choose our fruit, just keeping it to one serving a day, but especially eating berries, you know, your your blackberries, your raspberries, your strawberries, your blueberries, the colour of those fruits is telling you that they are full of flavonoids. They're all anti-inflammatory. And goji berries, they're one of the... Goji berries. Yes, it's true. But I haven't seen, with goji berries, you only really see the dried goji berries mm. i don't i can't even I've never had a goji berry just like oh, non-dried no but i know they're meant to be like one of the highest of any inflammatory quality and the um antioxidant foods are pretty much the same right yes that's right. well they're all antioxidant they're anti-inflammatory they're reducing oxidation as well and these foods if you limit your fruit, you're not spiking your glucose levels because we're staying away from the root vegetables, say the potato, the sweet potato, the yams, because unfortunately they're storage type of vegetables and they do spike glucose levels quite high. And, and you, you'll notice I've tried to avoid grains because grains, wheat particularly, in any form, whether it be brown bread or white bread or whatever, it spikes glucose, you know, so best to not go there with that one. 
And that's so Dr. Perlmutter, his book, The Grain Brain, if anybody is really interested in this, definitely uh, go and grab that book. It's awesome. I've um, You gave me a copy of it, actually, but I listened to it on audible.com. Uh, but yeah, it's awesome. The amount of information he has. So he's saying that a type 2 diabetic will have, is it a 50% increase uh, to get Alzheimer's in later, later age? Exactly right. He says that a type 2 diabetic has a 50% chance of getting Alzheimer's disease. That's enough incentive for us all to be doing something about how we're eating. And other stuff that is so important is the cholesterol because he was saying that these these diets where people are reducing their dietary cholesterol starve the brain of this. It's so important to have this. And when you do that, then you have increased chances of Alzheimer's as well. So, I mean, that's probably another topic we're going to tackle later on as well, like cholesterol myth, because that's very interesting. And that's one that flies under the radar like you wouldn't believe. I think, you know, with dietary fats, the, the underswell is on the move and people are becoming a bit more educated with what fats they should eat and what ones they should um, avoid. But the cholesterol, people still, I reckon 99.9% of people are completely oblivious to that. What's actually going on there, though, with the cholesterol and the well, brain the and Alzheimer's? You know, there is so much information out there that tells us that cholesterol, high cholesterol does not cause cardiovascular disease. Study after study after study has shown that. The Framingham study is one of the biggest studies that's ever been done. And it followed populations over a few generations. And it, the, the person who was most involved in the study came out and he just had to say that cholesterol does not cause cardiovascular disease. So that they weren't happy with that, though. So then they went and did the MR, MRFIT study to further prove it was involved. But that also failed. And yet we still pursue this same tactic, the use of statin drugs. It's one of the biggest prescription medications in the world. It's worth billions of dollars in sales, and it's aimed at reducing people's cholesterol. I just want to point out to you that the brain is 70% by weight fat. 25% of the, the body's cholesterol is in the brain. You keep using statin drugs to severely reduce cholesterol levels without understanding the role of cholesterol, without realising that it's oxidised cholesterol that is our villain. And what you're going to be doing is promoting more dementia. And you're not fixing up cardiovascular disease. I think we might do the next podcast we might do on like fats and followed by cholesterol because. It is really important, and I think um, people need to know that for, like, not just type 2 diabetes and Alzheimer's, but for overall health. Well, we have to mention again, and we've talked about this in the past, so I'll make it very brief, about when you eat. Don't forget we're trying to lower those blood insulin levels. If you keep eating all the time, particularly lots of carbohydrate food, you're just pumping insulin into the blood. So no snacking restricting your eating to minimum of 12-hour window. That's really, really important. And then I just want to share with you some of the 
supplements that you can add in and these are things that I take every day particularly because my mother my grandmother my grandfather all suffered with dementia so I'm very active at trying to stop it and these are things that are recommended by Dr Pearl Mutter Uh, vitamin D that's absolutely essential and you'd be surprised at how many people are low in vitamin D vitamin D helps to protect the neurons, that's your nerve cells in the brain, it reduces oxidation and it decreases inflammation. DHA, that's an omega-3 fatty acid and it is just so important. 90% of the omega-3 fats that are in the brain are DHA, so why wouldn't you want to supplement them? And the other one that's one that's close to my heart because it's just the most amazing herb is um, turmeric. And here we're talking about the curcuminoids that are in turmeric. And it has so many functions. But relating to the brain, it has the ability to activate genes, to make them actually to produce antioxidants. And it is intimately involved in improving glucose metabolism. And that's and we know it to be a potent anti-inflammatory. I use it for a lot of my arthritis patients with fantastic results. So, you know, that's something to really get into your diet and start to add these simple supplements. Yeah, that's great. Well, like turmeric, uh, as you were saying, the, the extract curcumin, that really is becoming much more popular every day. You, know, you see people having the turmeric lattes and things, but you see a lot of the supplements with uh, curcumin in it, and that's basically the, the power ingredient that you chose for your supplement. So once again, it's very empowering, and it's great to hear the, the answer is you know, within everybody's reach, really. It's just, again, about empowering yourself with the education and the knowledge, and then just take it, take it slowly with some simple steps. So the main thing is just to go into the supermarket and start buying these foods and filling up your your cupboards and your fridge your pantry with it so it's in the house once you do that then it's there and just don't buy the other rubbish that really is the biggest thing because once it's in the house then it's available to you and then it's dependent on how you are and you know what emotional state you're in you might have like something happen in your day and you go i'll just eat it but if it's not there it's not going to happen go shopping buy all these great foods Start enjoying it, and then you can reach out to us. Let us know how you're going, and check out our website, puranutrients.com. We will speak to you again with some awesome information. I'm thinking probably the dietary fats. That's a big one. So, Suzanne, you're going to have to start getting all that info together because that's a big one. Yeah, well, I'm already on board with that because it is one of my passions, you know, one of my many passions, but... And it is so important and really not well understood, you know, so I'm looking forward to it. We will speak to you all, same channel, same time, Diabetes Freedom. All the best with your healthy lifestyle and diabetes recovery journey. This is the Diabetes Freedom Podcast, proudly brought to you by purenutrients.com the type 2 diabetes specialists. Here we discuss the latest science to treat, prevent and reverse type 2 diabetes naturally so you can reclaim your health for a long, healthy and happy life.